First time was the worst time, yeah, got me messed up All I see is blurred lines, yeah, made your heart feel good And you hurt my yeah, now all I wanna do is just reverse time, yeah It's been so hard all right, welcome back to the No Names, No Numbers podcast. I'm your host, Pat LaBelle, and I'm actually really excited today. We have someone who I'm very inspired by on the UMass campus, uh, has started some really cool things, and let's call a spade a spade. I'm a little biased, wrote a fantastic little interview with me up. So without further ado, I want to introduce Tycho. Tycho, how are we doing today? Good, Pat. How are you? I've never been better now that you're in the studio. Come on now. Or more like now that you dropped geology. Oh, oh yeah. So a little update for the millions of listeners out there. <laughs> I have been ridiculing my geology class because I'm paying $30,000 for a class that is not going to help me in any way, shape, or form. No offense to people who like geology because yeah, there's a need for it in the world. I wouldn't say that's my $30,000 passion. So I did end up withdrawing from it. Technically, I'm not a full-time student anymore, but I'm still on pace to graduate. Still on track. Wouldn't want to not be on track, right? That's true. Can't get behind by any means necessary. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the good news is it's given me a little more time to focus on the podcast, focus on the site. So that's a little state of the union. But stop trying to deflect from you because <laughs> I know exactly what you're trying to do. Um, so, Tycho, you recently started, you and a couple other people, the UMass Amherst Voices account on mm -hmm. Instagram. I was just wondering if you could tell everyone what is that, what are you guys trying to do, and what's the process kind of been like so far? Yeah. Um, so, it didn't actually start as an Instagram account. Let me correct you on that. Okay. Um, we'll start from the very beginning, though. <laughs> Fact check immedi <laughs> Fact immediately. <checking. laughs> exactly. No. Um, so the idea kind of just started in a meeting room in Munson Hall. And with my coworkers, I work in the news and media relations office. And um, we're like a team of, I think, five uh, undergrads. And we're just kind of doing social media for the UMass official like accounts and stuff. And more and more as we would like look through the accounts and stuff everything just seemed really filtered and for marketing purposes and that's not the reason we came to the school and that's not the reason we want people to come to school here and I think that that motive like really drove this idea and drove this project to create a platform that allows people who go here to express experiences that are very authentic and true to themselves um, and a lot of times people don't have the platforms or the means to express those things. And like we wanted to be a channel for people to do that on. Um, so we are just a, I guess we're like a social media page. We have a blog as of now, it started as a blog. Um, and we just want to feature people who have cool stuff to say and cool experiences. And I understand you're not the only person involved in this, too. So would you want to highlight a couple of the other people on the team, too? Yeah, of course. Um, so one of my one of the people I work with is Katrina Rojas. She does a fashion beat for the page, which is really cool. She features a lot of cool um, students on campus who are just doing cool stuff with fashion, design. And um, Jen Gately is one of our photographers and long form writers. And she does, um, she last semester she did a piece on like seniors and it was very like, ho like humans of LHS 
type mm. writing. Um, and we're trying to transition that to like different communities on campus. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a good team where like we kind of all work cohesively on things and it's not really just like everyone doing their own thing. We're all like working together, doing our thing. So yeah, yeah. I, that's great. And I think it, obviously, you know more than me, but I think that sums up kind of the essence of it. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned right there, the, what was it? Humans, humans, humans of, of New York, humans of New York. Yeah. And I know a lot of people probably know what that is, but for people that don't, okay, could you describe what those accounts do and, yeah, what what are those accounts all about? Yeah, of course. I think it's like the best way to describe it is very like slice of life mm. um, content. And I think that it's, for me, one thing that always like really stuck out to me was how people of like, people in every corner of the world could be experiencing just a slice of what you're experiencing. And I think that that like is a very fundamental like human thing to connect to like just like the idea that we're all connected in some type of way and um so it's just basically like a photograph accompanied with like short form writing that expresses an experience or take someone has on something and it started on a thing on facebook right if i'm uh, correct honestly i don't know too much about okay. it but i know the general idea I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan i do yeah i am too i think it started on facebook i at least followed it on facebook and i know that a lot of universities have had their own takes on it my high school did a humans of lhs type thing and i think it's a really great platform i think it is a little overdone at this point mm-hmm. um but the idea behind it is very amazing so i stand by that yeah i, I feel that uh, ch- changing gears a little bit here. The reason why you're someone that's very interesting to me is you don't have to say it, but you are very smart. You're one of the smartest people I've met since getting here, but also you're someone that has a sense of humor too. And so I want to get your thoughts a little bit on, I, I guess people saying, Oh, like, Oh, get offended by jokes, mm-hmm. things like that. What's your thoughts on, on the comedy landscape right now? And, and listen, you don't have to, you don't have to go into like a bit or anything, right. but yeah, I want to hear your thoughts on that a little bit. I think it's so interesting you brought this up now because this is like conversations we have like at lunch. Oh, oh yeah. You know, this is so funny totally. to me. Um, I think that's like a really interesting thing. And then that is something that I have been thinking a lot about since watching Chappelle's stand up, mm. actually, in the beginning of the year. And initially, like, I was always a person who was like, if you're offended by it, don't watch it. Don't listen to it. Yeah. Don't. Like that. That's like my take on it. Like, if you don't, if it doesn't if it doesn't vibe with you, just don't pay attention to it. And I think to a certain extent, like, yes, that should be true. It's like, it's like kind of like that joke about how, like, how can people be online bullied? Just turn off your computer. Like, <laughs> yeah, just, just shut the laptop <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And like, Which, yeah. I mean, there is like a little <laughs> bit a little of validity true. in that. Um, but at the same time, I think that we live in a day, we live in a time and age where you kind of do need to be a little bit more, politically aware or just not politically aware but like socially aware of like what you're saying and the impact that it has on society I think that like a lot of my class a lot of like our classes will talk about this too but like we're moving into generations where people care about what you say like it's not you don't get passes for like saying stupid stuff like can we swear on this yeah okay I just I don't want to if it's if yeah, it's, stop, okay. stop trying to ruin the brand <laughs> no <laughs> what are you doing on my show uh, um but I, I'm just like if people People don't get, we don't live in a society where people get passes for saying things that are unacceptable. And I think that, like, for me, you can have an opinion about something and it can be funny, but if it's not, like, 
I don't know. I don't know how to formulate yeah, well, formulate this. Let, like, I'll, let me give you a little something to jump yeah, off. Yeah, so exactly. I, I saw a video the other day of of an upcoming stand-up who went on this huge tirade. You people don't know what funny is. You mm-hmm. people don't know this, that, or the other. My thought was, or maybe you're just not that funny. Okay. You, you know, and so there is, I want people to be able to say whatever they want, but also realize there's consequences to what you say. Exactly. And, and, and I got to learn that too going forward. And, you know, it's not just spewing out into the void. People are going to look at that and – what people say, especially people in the media, has a real impact because a lot of people, in my opinion, don't do a lot of thinking for themselves. Sure. They take what the media talking head, the figure is saying, and then they just take it as fact yeah. without even looking into it. Um, I, I just want to – this is kind of bouncing off something else too. When you get assigned a reading for a class, mm-hmm. are you someone that typically does the reading or no? And you can be honest. Yeah, I think that it really, for me, it depends on the class. Yeah. Um, can I just go back to what we were saying yeah, about yeah, comedy sorry, really quickly? Sorry. No, I just, I something just popped into my head. I think that the comedians I see who do it best are the comedians who attack both sides. Yeah. And I think that we talked about Hassan Minaj a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think that he is a comedian for me who, of course, he does political satire. And of course, it's very evident that he is like left wing mm. or like left leaning. Um, but. In every stand-up type thing that he does, he always does make sure to address the point of view of the other side. Mm. Whether it is as a rebuttal or whether it is as like a jumping off point to prove his own point, it like the fact that he is addressing his own side, I think, creates a lot of validity in his arguments and allows the humor to have a purpose. Mm. Um, which I think is a really interesting way of doing political satire. Um but going back to readings, it really depends on the class. Mm. I think for me, <clears throat> there are classes that I take where the readings are assigned and they're kind of bullshit for me. They're just readings that are either like written by professors and like you need to read them because you need to read them or like things like that. Like I'll give you an example. So um, my PR professor assigned us a 200 page book to read by next Tuesday because our speaker is coming for the book. And it's uh, basically like a Q&A book about uh, just like things about the PR industry in general. So like, you know, like how to make good relationships in the PR industry. And it's like stuff like that. But for me, the reason that I'm like not really enjoying the book or getting much out of it is because I'm, I don't learn from, I don't really learn from hearing other people's like, Q and A's. I don't know. For me, like that's not. I like learn from like being in a situation, like being put in a situation, and like learning from that situation. Whether mm. it's like you fail at the situation or you like succeed in the situation, I'm like a very like hands-on learner. I'm not like a sit back and analyze type learner. Although like I'll do it for academic purposes. Like for me, I think that it's especially in a class like PR, the way that you learn is by doing. It's not by reading mm. necessarily. But a lot of our comm classes, I think, have really fascinating readings that help me identify things about like humans that are really cool which I think so like we were reading something for com I'm taking uh com 212 it's um inter it's codes of communication so basically like a lot of like interpersonal communication Mm. um and one of the readings was uh Malcolm Gladwell's reading and and it and it had to do with um these like plane crashes that happened and I think I think it was Vietnam. I don't know if you want to fact check me on that. But. No, I, 
I think I know what you're talking about. Keep okay, going, yeah. Going. But yeah. he was basically talking about how these plane crashes were completely avoidable um, due to human actions. And it basically had to do with um, the power dynamic between, like, captains and, and flyers and stuff. What book's that from? I want to say... Um, I 100%. Yeah, no, I, know what, I know what you're talking about. Oh, oh my God. Or, or don't, don't get caught on that. But what, what did you take... From, from that. that, yeah, I thought from for me, I think that readings like that are interesting because they show patterns of human life. They don't show like one person's experience and then like an answer to that experience. I think that showing patterns of human life and showing like trends in humans are like really interesting and like things that you can learn from. And for me, it was so interesting to see how like they how like Gladwell took a phenomena that happened like a really big like. It, like horrible event that happened and like dug deeper into it and like extracted the human experience from it. Mm, it, it, it was, so it was something that was very negative, obviously yeah. plane crashes, but you're, yeah, he got something out of that. So I guess that would lead into something else too. Do you think there's value in looking at kind of terrible things that happened? Because I think a lot of people might shy away from the darker pieces of history, but a lot of times that's where you can really see human elements what are your thoughts on that in looking back in history of course i like i was a big sjw in high school yeah yeah and i was not okay yeah so i was the co-president of the social justice club okay Uh oh so sjw (laughs) alerts snowflake (laughs) lib cuck get her out of the studio right now um i have since then toned that down but (laughs) um i will say that like one thing that like made me very aware of speaking about the negative, like speaking about negative events and like really extracting that was the 2016 election. And like, I know that's like so talked about and so dragged about, but like, I remember like walking into my club that day and my advisor was like sobbing and like, she was like crying and she was like, I can't believe this happened and stuff. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, obviously I was upset about it, but all I could think about was like the amount of change that would happen because of this or like the push for change that would happen. And it's true. Like you got the women's March, like so many big movements came out of that election and like so much unity came out of that election while there was violence, while there were, there was like a lot of turmoil that also came out of it. I think that the push and the inspiration for change was only there because of like this negative event that happened mm. negative as in like objectively negative like a president got elected like it wasn't favorable for left leaning people and like that was negative that's really interesting i don't know if you saw uh president obama he had a little clip come out today about cancel culture we got okay. presidents talking about cancel Damn. culture which is insane but what he was basically saying was or, or one part of it was Everyone wants to demonize people, and mm-hmm. and I can fall into it too, but the thing is, there's so much gray area in, in everything. But one thing on that clip that I found interesting was talking about the armchair activism, where it's like, oh, you post something on your story, and you think you're, exactly. you're an activist. What, what are your thoughts on that? Do mm-hmm. you think... Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts on that, I guess? Um, I didn't know it was called armchair activism. I called it performative activism. That's, like, what I thought. I thought it was, like, when you, like, post on Instagram or you, like, share a story or whatever, your fa- your whole Facebook feed is SJW. Mm. Um, I called it performative activism, and I don't – I think that, to an extent, everyone's guilty of it. Yeah. And I think that 
um, it's really hard to it's really hard to be an activist in a community or for a cause um, without doing that. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times it's you like get into a situation where you like want to perform activism and like, I don't know. I I think that, I don't think that it's always a bad thing. I think that like it has a purpose of spreading awareness and, um, and stuff like that. But I do think that at a certain point, sitting on your ass and posting on Instagram does not cut it. Mm. And there's like a lot of causes where I don't know. That's, that's evident that like, I don't, but there is a line. I don't know. Yeah, I it, don't know. I'll just talk a little bit about me. Cause I've went through like yeah. a lot of, of, of changes in my own thinking in the past couple of years. So last year I would get so angry about certain things and I would turn those into, in, into comedic tweets basically. Yeah. But they were all just, riddled in irony yeah like total and the th- here's my thing with irony is people who get it get it yeah. and, and they know who the joke is on but people that don't get it literally think you're oh, saying what course. you're saying and, and i know that sounds ridiculous but i i see it like it seems to me like sometimes you see things on tv you see larry david you see uh, the always sunny gang mm-hmm. and the way they act and it's hilarious but they're terrible human beings and let's not get that twisted. So what are your thoughts on that? And this goes into comedy again, Mm -hmm. where irony is great, but the problem with irony is it's great at pointing out hypocrisy, not so great at getting down to, to issues. What are your thoughts on, on that? Um, going back to Malcolm Gowell, he did a podcast episode on irony. Really? Um, I'll send it to you. It's, it's really cool. But basically he was talking, he used like the case study of Stephen, Stephen Colbert. Okay. And like, he got brought up last week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, just kind of how like he like created this persona of like being this like right wing, whatever, like yeah. very conservative, yeah. like but 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 whatever. But then like he, in reality, like is, left left leaning very like liberal in his views and when he like let that show on tv for like once the audience was like what what's going on like it's (laughs) it's really wild yeah because that's the thing with oh it's just a joke Mm -hmm. it is just a joke but people are dumb sometimes yeah and that's that's the cynic in me but if you're not informed about something and you don't understand the context Mm -hmm. sometimes irony can morph into the reality i agree and i think that I was just about to say that, like, um, it sucks, but, like, irony really is for smarter people. Mm. And I feel like that kind of just makes me realize a quote of, like, simple minds think about. Oh, you're going into my favorite quote? Yeah, what is it? Small small minds talk about people. Average minds talk about events. Great minds talk about ideas. Thanks, Pat. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I think that, like, that really, that quote just kind of, like, sums up the idea of irony and that like s- people who like think smaller and like do not consider like bigger trends in society will take it at face value. Mm. I think that can be really problematic and detrimental to younger generations. If you see like, I like to think about the office as an example. Um, there's a lot of prob- problematic shit in that show and it's funny, but the purpose of it is irony. And like a lot of that doesn't get picked up. And you can, like, see in your daily life, like, people will be emulating those actions just because they think it's funny, but it's, I don't know. So not to go on a whole office rant, my one big thing with The Office is it's made people feel like, oh, 
I'm quirky. I'm socially yeah. awkward. No, you're uh, you're annoying. Like <laughs> that's not a good way to be. Like, it's not. You don't want to be Michael Scott. Michael Scott's a goof. Right. You, you don't want to be. You don't want to be anyone really in that show mm-hmm. necessarily. Um, except maybe Daryl. He's kind of cool. Except yeah, Daryl. <laughs> of course, yeah, the black guy's the coolest guy. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> cut that out. Cut that. Out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut that. Not really. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to think. Yeah, do you think, I guess just in general, what do you think media impacts people more than they might think? You asked me this at lunch. Yeah, I know. This I'm like, really I'm basically trying to, question. I'm trying to go back on all of our deep, <laughs> exactly. uh, frank lunchroom talks because <laughs> um, those were great. I know you Should've hit me recorded. with that, with that question at lunch, and I was like, Pat. <laughs> and, 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 let me just say this too: a lot of the things with media studies is difficult because you can't necessarily pinpoint everything. Okay. A lot of it is theoretical. Yeah. But when I look around in my own life, mm-hmm. and I look around at behaviors especially being on a college campus i'm just amazed by it yeah in in a lot of ways so the question was do you think media impacts society or to what extent what did you say what was the question yeah yeah i guess and it's hard too because a lot of i talked about this with ryan a little bit last week Mm -hmm. a lot of times you say oh it affects other people but it doesn't affect me no i know it affects me oh yeah and that's why i feel like this year i've been so conscious about what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. It, oh, you know what? Actually, I'll, let me change gears into something okay. a little different, but it's been on my mind. It's been yeah. eating at me. Memes. Okay. Be- because memes in the last, what? I don't even know, 10 years or so? Yeah. Just since we've been growing up, I've seen a dramatic change where it went from being bad luck Brian, oh, goes, studies 10 hours, fails his test, to things like, just so dark, like yeah. dark ass shit and people just see it every single day on their timeline to what what are your thoughts on memes i guess because now it's like oh woke pet it's like i see these terrible like depressing ass shit all the time and i see people liking it yeah and to me I, i don't like that at all i don't like that just being ingrained over and over and over again so what are your thoughts i think that's so interesting because like log on to Twitter and everyone on Twitter like glori- glorifies depression. I don't know if you've noticed that, like, or maybe I'm just pointing at the nah, obvious. Yeah, I agree in a lot of it. It's like it's not cool. Like, yeah, it's not good to be unhappy. And I and I think that like one thing that this generation has done well to an extent is opening up the conversation about mental health issues. For sure. Yeah. Um, but I think that there is a line between opening up a conversation about it and being candid and being, and then glorifying an issue that is very deeply problem, like has Oh, oh, ha ha. I couldn't get out of bed today. Oh, ha ha. Um, I'm using weed to cope with my depression. Ha ha. Like, and it's hard because a little part of you wants to laugh some of this stuff, but when you see it constantly Constantly. and you're just ingrained within it, that's when I start to be like, what the fuck is going on right now? I don't know. I think that definitely like the things that you see on media will impact you. I think that like a really micro level of this is like Finsta, like the concept of Finsta. Okay, yeah. And right how, up my alley. Right? And you know how, I've had strong <laughs> opinions on that. And um, I think that like a lot of people 
or like I know do you remember having this conversation in our comm class last like the one that we all took together about how like your finsta is actually your rinsta I don't remember that class but I've, I've written a, I've written about it this year <laughs> okay. about yeah. that idea so yeah um yeah but I I think like we also like touched upon it in class Apparently you weren't listening, but it's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> Alex but it, but is that media? <laughs> but is that media? <laughs> that was a good one. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I don't know. Like the we like introduced the idea, or like not introduced. Obviously, we didn't like make it up, but um, just like kind of thought about the idea of how your finsta is actually like your most real self. But a lot of times, people use it as like that, and it's not really your real self. Like it really is. And and you think about it like every just like the the essence of like the internet and like storing everything that you've ever done and like creating this digital footprint for you like brands you in a certain way and like if you think about your friends like that you post like you have a couple bad days you post a couple sad pictures you say fuck my life I hate my life whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you look back at those three pictures and then like you've kind of branded your your finsta to be like that mm. do you know what I mean and then like it just can it continues to become like a negative platform. The the, the loop. The loop. It, the, and the loop continues. Exactly. And I think that there are people who use fences and like those more candid Instagram or like candid, you know, social media platforms for good to show like a very holistic view of their lives. But I think that at the same time, there are people who just really wallow in it and do it for attention. And, and I think that, this really just does go back to like the mental health thing of like when you post on social media in a funny and humorous way, joking about mental health issues, not only does it like give you a pass for continuing that negativity, but it also like allows others to like laugh at it. Not like with you, but like a lot of times at you, I feel like, mm. I don't know. No, and it's interesting because I'm not saying don't joke about mental health because Gary Goleman mm -hmm. is someone who has come out in the comedy community, whatever, mm -hmm. and he's talked about his battle. And honest, honestly, he's someone that has helped me just mm -hmm. looking at his tweets, positivity, mm -hmm. uh, tips and strategies. And then he, he put out a great, a great special on HBO. That's someone that's doing it right because they're, they're making sure the joke is on the right thing. Exactly. Where the, where the joke isn't, oh, haha, ha, it's good to be feeling awful, feeling terrible, feeling depressed. It's... It, hey, it happens. It's it's not. I don't want to say normal, but it, it's something that does happen. But hey, not. It's good to get out of that. Mm -hmm. A lot better to be out of that mm -hmm. than in it. I think that just like nitpicking what you said, like the distinction between like normalizing something and raising awareness around it. That is very tricky. It, it is. It's a fine line. It is. It is. And I think that that is something that like advocates for mental health awareness walk or like constantly go back on mm. between normalizing something that is as aggressive as depression and then like raising awareness around how to combat or live with something like that. Yeah. This is getting kind of deep. No, it kind of, it kind of <laughs> is too. And, and now it's like, it's bringing up all these other tweets I see where I find it really interesting. Those tweets where it's like, Oh, just exercise. <laughs> it's like, go for it, go for a walk yeah. and, and everything's a okay. And those are hard because a lot of those strategies, I agree. They've helped me a yeah. lot, but it's ridiculous to think you can sum it all up. Exactly. In 200. What is it? 240 characters. 240 characters. 240 characters. It's ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, again, that's another just interesting thing. And, and going back on the Finstas. So I'm in the elevator today. Okay. And I, I hear these two girls talking and one's like, 
oh my, can you really believe she put that on her Finsta? I, I would never, or no, I thought that was on her Finsta, but she actually put it on a reel. Oh my God, could you imagine? It's like, and what about it? And, and, and what about it? And what of it? Like, I wanted to just jump in and be like, oh, really? I'd like to see your Finsta yeah, or, or something like exactly. that. That bothers me so much. And that's a big area I've changed. But listen, I don't want to be a hypocrite because not just, just going away from Instagram, my behavior on LinkedIn is a hell of a lot different than Twitter and Instagram. So I am not trying to be a hypocrite exactly. here. It's something I'm trying to get better too along the way because – you have to consolidate your brand. Come on. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Because like on LinkedIn, it's at times it's like, oh, I'm, uh, w- whatever. You know how it is. Like oh, so excited. I, I love LinkedIn. I know. No, no, exactly I love, I love, I love yeah. LinkedIn too. But oh my god. No, it's I'm a community. Like, I, feel, it really I can feel is. phony on that a lot, and yeah. so I gotta start being more authentic on that too. This is good. It's gonna hold. Me I think to we it. should. I think we should like write a stand up about LinkedIn. I think it's one of the funniest platforms ever. It really is. I just <laughs> love to see. I was reading. I hope no one. I hope no one I know watches this <laughs> or like listens. To oh this. no! This is gonna spread. This is gonna spread like wildfire. <laughs> no but doubt. Um, I. <laughs> um, I came across this person that I know to the second degree, as LinkedIn would. <laughs> put it <laughs> um but i came across this person and and he works at like a very high company and like came from umass and he had like a very like underdog story like i've known him since like our childhood and whatever whatever um and he is a hustler but he's a little bit of a poser i will say okay and um I, you know how like LinkedIn allows you to have like that quick bio section that's that allows like 600 words. You yeah. basically write like an essay there. I know. Um, but uh, his opening line was like, uh, design is the bread and butter that feeds my passion for whatever. And I was like, I really, I was like, who is he trying to sell this yo, to? Yo, cool. <laughs> I was like, this really just is a platform to just brag your ass off. Oh, I know. <laughs> it, it's hard. Like, obviously... I promote the hell out of this. I promote it everywhere, but I don't really love that part of it. It's just yeah. you have to do it. You, you have know? to. That's one area where it's not really negotiable. I and know. And so the question becomes, how are you going to do it? And I'll be honest, I get lazy sometimes. Like Sometimes it'll be like, oh, new piece, Lincoln Bio. Exactly. But what it really should be Lincoln is- Lincoln Park's annoying cousin. <laughs> what, what, what was it? Lincoln Park's annoying. What was it? Oh, yeah. Oh, I forget what it was. Lincoln Something Park's like that. Some corny, some corny pun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and, and that's one area where I, I'm really going into the site a little bit. You wrote a piece, a great piece on your trip to New York, but mm-hmm. everyone that's been contributing to that, it's, I, I just, I like that because it's being real. It's being the Twitter real, but expanded where it's mm-hmm. not trying to get an idea across in 140 characters. Right, and right. so that's where I really see an opportunity. And that's why I'm trying to get people to write. Obviously, personally, it's good for me, but it's also good for everybody yeah. to, to be able to see some real authentic content, not by some company that's trying to push an agenda. Exactly. I, I agree completely. I don't know what you want me to say about that. <laughs> you know, that was just a rant. That was not a question <laughs> at all. I like the idea, though. Um, but yeah, going back, I want to go back to you just for a little bit more. I don't want to keep you all day. It is Halloween after all. We're going to be getting spooky. <laughs> uh, I just want to know. In general, what's the biggest difference you've noticed freshman year to sophomore year? Because monumental, in my my opinion. For you or for me? For me. me. Okay. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> I, on your on your behalf, it has been so different. 
I was going to no, say, yeah. Pat, take it away. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, freshman year to sophomore year, I came in to freshman year and I said, I want to fall in love with school again. Mm. That's like what I, I said. Like, I remember I would always like compare myself to high school and like remember sitting in chem class and like being so frustrated with myself about not knowing something or not understanding something, but at the same time having this like drive and passion to understand it and like doing everything in my means and control to do that. And I feel like coming to college, my priorities for that kind of shifted a lot and my education became less of like something that I owned and did um, and more about something that was like a checklist. Yeah. And I think that, like, yeah, and I, and I, and I feel like we talked about this a lot, like, how, like, socially, like, I change, I've, like, changed a lot, like, socially, too, like, I feel like, um, one of the things that, like, I've realized so vividly from freshman year to sophomore year is that you really can only rely on yourself, Mm. and, like, having the support of other people is always, like, very good and beneficial, but at the end of the day, like, you have to be content with yourself, and you have to be able to, like, rely on yourself. And, like, one of the ways that I felt like I was unable to spend time with myself and rely on myself was because I was, like, this – because, like, this part of me who would always, like, loved school and, like, been this huge nerd and, like, had this drive and passion to succeed had, like, kind of gone away and, like, kind of hid away. And I wanted to, like, rediscover her again mm. and, like, bring her out again. So I would, like, enjoy hanging out with her and, like, not constantly feel the need to, like, be around other people to fulfill that part for me. Mm, I don't know if that... No, that's that's fascinating. And and I think we talked about this or my big... It's so obvious to say, but you spend so much time with other people, family, friends, and you love your family and friends, but you spend 24 hours a day with you. Yeah. And then not to go all like motivational speaker on you, but that is something that's important to remember. And it's something that's helped me a lot. I think think it's helped. yeah. Yeah. I think like initially too, when you come to college, you're like in an environment where you're constantly saturated with like human connection and like social interaction. Never alone. Never. And I got very used to that very quickly. And I really like fell into this thing of like constantly needing to be around people to like Mm. fulfill this because when you don't spend time with yourself, it's like, and then you have an opportunity to spend time with yourself. You're kind of like sitting in this room with this awkward person. Because you guys haven't, like, caught up in a while. You haven't been like, hey, bitch, like, what are you up to? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up, dumbass? Exactly. <laughs> it hasn't been like that. And, like, I think that one thing for me that that has been really challenging but, like, really beneficial, even, like, through the start of the year is, like, continuing. Like, even if I – and it's, like, it's okay to want to hang out with people. And it's okay to, like, want to crave, like, social interaction and, like, human connection. We all do. Exactly. Social creatures. Exactly. But I think that at the end of the day, like – I really try to take like an an hour every day to just sit with myself and like not like be on a computer because that's not sitting with yourself. That's sitting with David Dobrik. Like, that's <laughs> like, I don't know. Like it's just like really sitting with yourself, like thinking sometimes, you know, writing, like yeah. just doing something that like is for you and hanging out with that person so you don't lose touch with them. And not only to combat like when you're not in a situation where you're around people, but just to like have your just to have yourself i don't know it's like it's fun to hang out with yourself (laughs) i get like chills hearing that and it's it really is inspiring and it's not selfish to Mm -hmm. do that you know you should everybody i wish everybody did that yeah Yeah, dedicated meditation every morning yeah you kind of got me into that i will say oh yeah so i guess that's just one personal thing that i've started doing is 
I got the Headspace app. I, I, I caved. Uh, you caved. I, I ended up getting it. And I know it sounds all hippy-dippy or whatever, but, you know, just taking five, ten minutes at the beginning of every day and yeah. just focusing on what you've been thinking, mm-hmm. I don't want – life-changing. There's no other it way is. to put it. I've felt immediate impact day one. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it for almost a month now. Yeah. And I honestly – I couldn't recommend it anymore. I just feel happier. Yeah. It, it, in short. I think that, like, for me, I'm not, like, a completely morning person type thing. Mm. Like, I will wake up earlier just to, like, say that I woke up early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you say you can take your morning snap exactly. at, the, at the gym. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was thinking of a different morning snap. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. Sorry sorry to put my good habits on you. <laughs> um, uh, but I usually, I, I've been doing this for, like, a little bit more than a year, but I will, like, before I go to bed every day, I'll do five things I'm grateful for, and then, like, one thing that I did that scared me today. And, like, that awesome. is something that, like, I feel like if I don't complete that list, like, my day's not over. And I'm, like, I don't know. I feel like it has helped me grow as a person. Not to plug my shitty blog, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did, like, post a, a little thing about it, and I went to New Hampshire, and I kind of just, like, did the things that I, that scared me because you grow when you do things that scare you. And I, mm. Yeah. I think that's powerful. I think that's awesome. And we're, we're going on a little bit long here. Oh. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Tyga. I think you are a, a fascinating person, honestly, like being completely authentic with you. Uh, I'm definitely going to – I'll make sure to link to your blog. Uh, and any final parting thought for our multi-million <laughs> audience out there? Yeah, go check out UMass Amherst Voices on Instagram and on the internet. <laughs> shout, shout out UMass Amherst Voices. Thank you for having me, Pat. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. First time was the worst time, yeah, got me messed up. All I see is blur lines, yeah, it made your heart feel good and you hurt my yeah. Now all I want to do is just reverse time, yeah. It's been so hard, cause you took my heart and you hit the